Hello, and welcome to Guidelines' continuing series of Green Elephant Better Business interviews. In this series, we are chatting with key people in companies which have chosen to focus on social and environmental performance, public transparency, and legal accountability to purposefully balance people and planet with profit. This week, I have been joined by Nathan Stuck. See, I said it right. <laughs> from Advictorium Solutions. Now, Advictorium are consultants who transform technology so businesses can get on and do the real work of delivering their vision. They do this by simplifying the implementation of a market-leading cloud-based CRM solution called Salesforce. And uh, by all intents and purposes, I believe that's easier said than done. And they are a big corporation, have been certified since January 2018 and have just gone through uh, their recertification and we'll talk about that a bit. Nathan is Ad Victorium's and I understand why you shorten it to Advic now, um, Director of Culture and Strategic Impact who also lectures as part of an MBA program at the Terry College of Business in the University of Georgia. Add to that Nathan is a B Local Georgia Chair, Speaker, Community Builder, Collaborator, Writer, Networker, Dog Dad and Georgia Fanatic. So we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. Welcome to the Green Elephant Show, Nathan. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it was a perfect intro. Um, thanks for having me. Excited to be here, Russell. And uh, yeah, you can see like the Georgia wall behind me of my Georgia fanaticism. There's more too, but uh, I literally have stuff I haven't even hung up because I don't have a spot for it. <laughs> and uh, to be honest, and whatever you haven't got on the wall you're wearing. As far as and, and, well, and now it's, well, I'm, I've been a Tampa Bay fan for uh, my whole life and it's been a miserable miserable existence and uh suddenly it's fun again so it's thursday there's football tonight so i'm just kind of getting in the spirit of working from home and uh you know like jeff always says our ceo you can't stand out if you're trying to fit in so we're gonna and you you definitely stand out so uh definitely <laughs> if you've got a chance get onto youtube and have a have a look at uh, what nathan's sporting literally sporting <laughs> i suppose as a as his shirt it's, it's a hideous orange too this is brutal but <laughs> You, you said it. I would never say that, but one of my esteemed guests. Um, I to kick off, Nathan. Then I do wonder whether we're going to be able to keep this conversation truly on track towards business and sustainability. But I've got to, I, as I do a little bit of research into my guests, I do have an elephant in the room. That's why I actually do have my elephant in the room question, and I'm intrigued about the background behind Ad Victorium as a name. Can you give me any insight on that? Yeah. So it means to victory in Latin. So that's where we came up with, or Jeff came up with the, the name Ad Victorium. Um, and it's funny because he has a, he has a couple really fancy paper mache rhinos in his office. So like seeing that doesn't weird me out at all. I'm just like, you should meet Jeff. <laughs> yeah. um, so he's got a rhino ring. He's got all kinds of fun stuff. So, but yeah, um, honestly, and then the rhino played right into that. So we've added the rhino to the logo, kind of like charging to victory. Um, but you're right. We we did shorten it to Advic. Um, how many people would spell Advictorium and they wanted to put a U in there? Yeah. Or, you know, crossing the pond to where, where you're at, they would want to go Victorian era with it. And uh, it would become Advictorian. So it just became easier. And Salesforce started referring to us. All their AEs would be like, oh, yeah, call Advic, Advic. You know, so they started calling us Advic, and you're like, well, if the shoe fits, wear it. So, and again, much easier to spell. I don't have to, we had an, an episode a couple of years ago where I want to say the University of Georgia wrote a piece about us working with their students on B Corp projects and everything. And they referred to, you know, Nathan Suck from Ad Victorium with the U Solutions. And I'm getting a text message from their, the MBA program director at like 1030 on a Friday. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'll have them fix it. Oh, my apology. And I'm like, yeah. I already texted our CEO. We're having a good laugh. So, <laughs> and all said and done, you can type in Ad Victorium. It comes with Ad Victorium. Um, so uh, your ums and your ams are okay, I think. I mean, you, you you're clearly American, um, uh, <laughs> speaking speaking by by accent and clothing. Uh, Aside, you you said put you know, I introduced you there as a, a Georgia fanatic. Why why are you a Georgia fanatic? Uh, so I went here for undergrad, and it's funny I'm not actually well. I guess geographically I'm from the south, but I'm kind of a kid from nowhere. 
So I was born in Michigan. I grew up in Miami. And then I came to Georgia for undergraduate for university in 01, 20 years ago. Whew, I was on Ooh. campus yesterday too. I felt old. Um, <laughs> and everybody's kind of looking like, who's this old guy with a backpack on? I was going to give a guest lecture. So um, yeah, so I got here 20 years ago. And, and, and you know, outside of a little five-year stint, I left in 06. I graduated in 04, left in 06, moved to Las Vegas for some God knows what reason. Um, Sunny? Yeah, scratch an itch, something like that. So it was, I mean, it was also the poker boom. So I went out there with like these, you know, grand visions of being on TV. And, you know, four months later, you're like grinding it out in like some smoky poker room downtown, you know, at like four in the morning, hoping to win like $800, you know, and it's like, so I ended up getting a real job. And then five years later, I moved back to Athens. And so which is where the University of Georgia is. So I've been here now since 2011. And then I went back and got a second degree. I got an MBA from the University of Georgia. And, uh, and the funny part is too, is I'm technically only half American because my mom's from Berlin. So, but it's funny when I go there, I'm definitely American. And then when I'm here, my friends will be like, that's weird. Why do you do that? And I realize it's some weird tick I picked up from Oma or something where, you know, or I like forget a word in English and I say it in German. So there's this weird kind of guy from nowhere uh, element to me that I just kind of, no matter where I am, I call it home and they're like, yeah, but you're not from here. <laughs> but you're fanatical about it what's so great about georgia why 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 amble back there and stay there uh the city is wonderful um they joke that it is a what is it it's a drinking town with a music problem um i mean it's just a it's a brilliant place i mean rem b-52s um just oh, all, kind right. of, all, all kinds of quirks and 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 nuances there's a tree that owns itself which i think there's a i think somewhere yeah i got a painting of the tree that owns itself um literally somebody left a tree to itself in their will um we've got a double barreled cannon we've just it's just beautiful and there's an energy when the kids are here you know a lot of a lot of the whatever you want to call them the townies uh resent sometimes when the kids come back but they're the economic lifeblood of the city and honestly i think they keep us all kind of young because you know it's weird because it's if you're you know if you don't do what i you know some of the lecturing i'm a chapter advisor for my old fraternity i make sure those kids stay out of trouble um so i actually get to know a lot of the kids every year but there's a certain element of like it's these nameless kind of young kids and they just kind of Somebody was saying the other day of like the tough part of living in Athens is that you're always getting older, which is true anywhere, but except for that you're surrounded by people that are the same age every year, even though they change, you're, you're just like, I'm getting older and, but they're still like 19, but I just, <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, we've got a home football game on Saturday. That'll be, you know, we're doing a low country boil. Like there's like seven Saturdays a year that it's just the best party you've ever been to. And everybody's, and the cool part about those is there's no, Republican or Democrat or this or that like we're just all there for Georgia football and I don't know there's just something very very special about Athens that kind of has kept me here and really I came here sight unseen for undergrad never been here my first time on campus was orientation so and now I teach a class here I just yeah so what, what how, how did that come about how did you manage to get into lecturing so um I stayed really close to the MBA program after I graduated because I did a B Corp project for Advic while I was in um, while I was doing my MBA. Yeah, yeah, so Jeff yeah. came to the MBA program and basically we, they had like eight employees at the time and we're like, hey, let's certify as a B Corp. And I was in the Net Impact Club and they brought that project to us and I was like, I'm in, let's do it. So I don't know. I, I don't think we any of us knew what a B Corp was. <laughs> So we all just kind of were like, all right, but you know, let's, let's go for it. So we kind of faked it till we made it. And we ended up, the project was supposed to be one semester. We worked on it for three, um, no class credit. We never got, now the, now the students get class credit for, it's an actual class now. But when I graduated, I kind of wanted to keep that momentum going and we hadn't finished our certification yet, but I knew there was this, you know, mythical audit coming. And we were getting close and we had 86 points or whatever on the assessment and we're looking at it. And I'm like, let me bring in some new students to help us prepare for the audit. Not like there, I didn't know what an audit was. I don't know why I thought they were going to be able to prepare us, but at least to go and like help us document. And more than anything, I just wanted to pass the torch. And we got one student, Zach Godfrey, who was just like all in, like, man, I gave him that Kool-Aid and he ran with it. And next thing you know, he's getting some grant money and he's, 
you know, building like we're in. So now I'm roped back into like, how can we run these projects? And I'm still the only one that's really done an assessment. So we all of a sudden have companies that want to certify and they're going to be in, you know, we were running them out of a, des a design thinking class and, <laughs> and kind of like, well, everybody just turns to me and like, well, Nathan, what do we do? And I'm like, start going through the assessment you know and it was just kind of the same methodology i had used when i was there and then jessica thomas came down from nc state and helped us put some structure around it and then that professor that we were running those projects out of was was retiring he retired in the spring and they were kind of like uh we've put all this investment into you know i've got my little product placement my be collaborative we put all this kind of investment time money energy into this would you be interested in teaching a, you know, a class in the MBA program and running B Corp projects? So we used to do two or three a semester. We're running six a semester. I've got 13 MBAs. I've got five or 14 MBAs and five undergrads. So we get undergrads who are working on uh, sustainability certificates. So this is their capstone project. So I don't know. I just kind of came out of, I've always stayed close to the program. I've, I've, Advic and Jeff. Jeff went there. His wife went here. They met here. So nice. Jeff's always been all in. Like yesterday, I was like, "Hey, man, uh, if you need me, I'm off to guest lecture. You know, to the school of social work." And he's like, "Awesome, have fun." So, we, and we recruit very heavily from the university. So we've stayed very close, and it's kind of been like a partnership. And then it just made sense that I guess I'm the de facto expert. So, well, it's a brilliant partnership. To I mean, you basically got your hands on. Uh, uh, a new source of recruits every every semester every year is you you mentioned you were eight when you started how big you how is big is advic now i'm onboarding two more on monday i think they're 147 and 148 so basically 150 i mean that's quite a growth for three years is it's, we'll get into talk as to actually what you do is 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 that unprecedented or we it, it you've obviously grown during lockdown yeah i mean it's yeah we did actually <laughs> um it's it's been you know everybody goes and gets an mba and they're kind of uh you do all those case studies you know you it's just b school is all about case studies and then you, you get to the last page and all of a sudden there's appendix a through appendix h and it's all these hypothetical equations and what would happen if we launched this division and all of a sudden i get there and by the time i came on full time we had like 20 employees and we're looking at all these different divisions like okay managed services how many how many clients would we need to retain what would we need to charge how many you know like i mean you're so all of a sudden like you're doing a case study without the appendix like you're just like i'll figure this out on my own and it just became very, I don't know, it was very interesting to be a part of that scaling and that that the, the decisions you have to make of, of ratcheting up, getting business with having enough people to do the business and then getting a lot more business and having to rapidly hire. And then all yeah. of a sudden business drops off and you've like, what do we do with it? Like last year for us, that happened of like, what do we do with all these people? And luckily for us, we didn't have any PE money. So we didn't have private equity. We're, uh, we love to joke, we're financed by the Bank of Jones, Jeff Jones, our CEO. So um, we, <laughs> yeah, were yeah. Able, we were able to live our B Corp values last year and, and really say that, you know, we're not going to lay off anybody. We're not going to furlough. We're not, we just rolled out raises in February of last year and then COVID hits. We didn't roll back raises. We had 11 offers out to people about to graduate from undergrad we didn't roll back their offers we still brought them oh, on wow. board. yeah that's generous um, we scraped together some 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 pennies and nickels and dimes and paid out bonuses at the end of the year and they weren't they weren't what they've always been but hey i, I mean it was better than a as my dad loves to say it was better than a poke in the eye with a sharp stick so i mean well, clap in the belly with a wet fish i continue on that one <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it was just cool to see our, our ownership and, and our executive team kind of live those B Corp values and say, you know, like, we're just not going to, we don't, we're not going to make money this year and that's okay. But it was also a really smart strategic decision because come February, all of a sudden, here come the deals and people are kind yeah. of getting off, you know, they've been sitting on their wallets for a year and they've got, you know, and it, they ended up being okay last year and they didn't spend any money and they weren't traveling and they didn't throw a holiday party and they're like, now's the time to make that investment in our technology so now all of a sudden you have all these people coming over like hey let's do business and and we 
on that hand, we're lucky that we had kept everybody because now we had a full staff. We didn't have to train it. We didn't have new people. I mean, we, and we ended up still having to hire to even meet those needs. But I think a lot of companies did the opposite. And that's where PE money and some of that stuff comes in. They want their 20% return regardless yeah. of what, you know, it's that short-term capitalism of like, regardless of what it means for our long-term growth. Yeah. And then the companies then had to say no to business in the spring because they didn't have the people to, to, to work the project. So um, yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun to watch a scale. It's been, I mean, there's, a, it's been bumpy, you know, and you spend a lot of time. I mean, not that I'm going to put all these on, but you know, you wear a lot of hats. Um, in the beginning, I was, I was doing our invoicing, financial operations, culture, volunteering, impact. Like I was doing everything for a really long time. And uh, because it kind of is what it is, but when you get to do a job that gives you purpose, I think it, you look past some of those, every job is going to have its downsides, but to be able to come to work every day and know that I'm adding value to our employees and giving them a reason to get out of bed as well, giving them something greater than just like, Hey, we're going to help this company increase its profitability, but Hey, we're also going to do this fun charitable thing. Hey, we're also going to do this. Hey, we're also going to, you know, it's, it, it's been worth it. And the ride's been enjoyable. So is that what your role is? You, you is culture and uh, strategic impact. I think is the title I, I read. Yep. Um, what, what does that mean? So a lot of culture. So the culture piece of it, you know, I mean, shoot, this, I mean, I put together a deck on kind of clarifying our PTO policy. So there's some, there's some, a little Venn diagram there that overlaps into some of the HR, but I don't, I would never call myself HR. I'm not sure I'm certified, but there's some of that where it's like, Hey, that's Nathan's hat. Um, but for the most part, it's also looking at like, you know, I do exit interviews. I'm doing, I'll do one-on-ones where I just put 30 minutes on somebody's calendar and just kind of talk to them off the record or like what's working, what isn't, you know, and I keep it very anonymous, but you know, like I keep my ear to the ground of things they might not say to other people. Um, I are, we're rolling out our annual survey next week. So I've got that all put together. I'm working on with our marketing team on some employer branding initiatives of, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, of, of what I call kind of the brand sandwich or whatever. I even had a slide speaking of the UK, I had a slide in there. It said, mind the gap um, when I presented on this, but that gap between perception and reality of what is, what are your people, you know, what do you think this company is as an executive, as a leader? What do our team, what does our team actually say it is? Right. So I think, I think that's an important step. So we're, we're doing a lot of that of figuring out how do we, and we don't have retention issues and we're not having any problem recruiting people, but you could always be better, you know, and coming back to the whole B Corp assessment, that's, that's kind of the name of the game. It's just kind of no, nobody is perfect, but how do you continue that journey of continuous improvement, even on the impact side, but culture side, for sure, there's always something we can do better. So, yeah, I mean, we're seeking to be better corporations, not perfect ones. It's, um, uh, it's so easy to aim, try to aim for perfection or think that the B Corps have got some kind of special uh, way to perfection, but we're not. We're just people that are committed to a different way of working. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I think, and, and she hates, my wife hates when I use this word. And somewhere she's probably hearing me through the, the vents right now, but it's a journey, you know, and some people are quick to. I don't know if you're not perfect, they want to call out your imperfections. And I yeah. think that's important. And I think internally building that trust and that candor to be able to say things that are on your mind, things that you do not like in a way that allows us to hear, hear you and improve upon them. And I mean, I could share a multitude of it. I mean, just little things like, you know, who, you know, who was doing the interviews when we were hiring, you know, like for a second round of interviews for undergraduates, you know, and looking at the room and getting called out by one of our female consultants and saying like, nice job, Nathan, you know, and just kind of unconsciously, I just looked at like, Hey, who's in the office that day, who could do interviews, been around for a while, who could do interviews. We didn't think about like, maybe we should fly in some of our, our women in other cities and have them here for these interviews to have a, a better representation of who works here doing the interview like those types of things but they weren't afraid to tell me that and I wasn't afraid to take the feedback I kind of took it with a little humble pie and just they're not wrong so let's fix it and I think that's that's the cool part about B Corps I think is that that spirit of knowing you're not perfect but also knowing that you want to be and you're willing to take feedback and you're willing to grow and learn and, and continue on that journey 
yeah and and to be honest if you've got a culture where people aren't frightened to talk to a director about what's wrong in a business then you've got a great culture you've got a you know you've got the foundations of a great business haven't you 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 mentioned or i mentioned in my intro to you um where i read that you're you view yourself as a community builder and and we also uh, before we get into find a little bit more what ad victorium actually does for a living um what in what ways do you build communities great question um i mean it starts with be local georgia i mean that was kind of my first foray into it was all of a sudden i i saw a need those, just if i stop you there for those yeah. who are uninitiated what is a be local so be locals are i would call them chapters but we're not chapters we do have like a memorandum of understanding with b lab on how we you know certain things like we have to either be a independent nonprofit or fiscally sponsored so we're fiscally sponsored but we're just organizations that are designed to kind of spread the mission spread the word and also create a sense of uh, opportunities for B Corps to get together, to work together, to collaborate, to get to know each other. So a lot of networking events, a lot of B Corp 101s, a lot of, you know, panel discussions, basically also kind of letting our B Corps sell B Corp, you know, versus, you know, I could spend money on advertising or whatever, but like, I mean, we just did, we started a B Local Georgia podcast. I'm like, I, I can move out of the way and just ask a question and just let you know, one of our CEOs out of B Corp talk about what it's meant for their business instead of me trying to fumble through like, what's the ROI on it? Let me have somebody talk about recruitment and retention or yeah, yeah, you know, marketing content or actually measuring what matters to your business and improving upon it. So that that was my first kind of like all of a sudden you're like, oh, now I have to bring in all these people into this room and like I have to get you know this whole uh, I, I get community like together. And like, I remember our first event, I got all the CEOs together from every B Corp in Georgia. At that point, we had like nine, maybe 10 and got them all in the same room and we had dinner. Somebody catered it in and um, and we just, and it was funny too, because we were down in Clarkston, which is the most diverse square mile in America. And uh, so oh, one of our, one, yeah, one of our B Corps is a uh, refugee staffing agency. And so they had one of their friends who was a Syrian refugee who now had a catering company come in and if you've never had like actual real like non-sabra hummus that was one of the best meals i've ever had but i mean we're true to our b Corp values so that's what we got for uh catered in and you know and then it just grew from there and then we had a public event and then we had another one you know the first one i remember standing there counting and seeing 31 people there and like the last one we just had in july we had 100 people we sold like 90 tickets you know we charged people um it was crazy and i'm like looking around the room kind of in that like pinch me moment and everybody wants to introduce me to so and so and we had you know one of the atlantic commissioners there to be our keynote and did it for free because he's so passionate about this movement and it was just just that has led into okay now georgia we're up to 18 b corps and i'm looking around the southeast and i see 40 in north carolina that are very spread out mm -hmm. I see 20 in Florida. I see two in Alabama. I see four in South Carolina. I see six in Tennessee, just north of us. And so I'm looking at the Southeastern United States and I'm like, what an opportunity. Like you look at Colorado, they've got 105 in B local Colorado, 105 B Corps. Portland has a hundred and some. And I'm looking around the Southeast. I'm like, we as a region have that many. So how do we come together now and start working together? And again, some of that like ROI stuff, if like we need a vendor, we need to be thinking about each other. You know, if we need to amend something or work on our article, you know, something legal, like there's a B Corp law firm in Chattanooga, you know, if we need to do something like, you know, I, even me, like a new bank opened in Florida, that's a pending B Corp. Guess where I moved all my money? You know, those types of things of thinking, but if we don't know that we exist, we're not going to do business together. And then broader than that, I think right now, and even in Georgia is I'm working with the other organizations that aren't necessarily B Corps. And I mm -hmm. think 10 years ago, you might've had some, some eye rolls at that. They're like, you know, conscious capitalism. And we have one here called Go Beyond Profit. And it, yeah, there's no certification. There's no verification. I get it. No, but no. going back to the journey, it's like, if this is where these companies are comfortable and dipping their toes into the water, and this is their first step into like their commitment to becoming better. Yeah. Why am I going to say no? So we just did that last event we did was with conscious capitalism. They're great people. Their, their members are great. 
and this is where they are. And I look at it as my duty and B Corp's duty to kind of help them like, hey, we're, we're just further along in our journey, you know, but five, six years ago, we were probably there. So yeah. let's, let's, let's help them become better. Let's share some of the tools and some of the resources. So yeah, just a lot of stuff like that. And then, I, I mean, I do, even in Athens, we're working on some things in Athens right now to, it's very siloed. Um, the South is very complex and interesting and in a weird way, historically was, was, I would call it forced segregation. Not, I would call it, it was forced segregation. And now it's, it, it's struggling to move out of that phase, even though everything's legal and there's, you know, everything we integrated schools, you know, years ago, like UGA in 19, but it was only 1961 that UGA allowed black students in. So like, there's still a lot of work to be done of breaking down silos, breaking down those networks, your network looks like you. So breaking down neighborhood networks, getting people to all know each other, getting people to refer each other. So I don't know, it's just become like a real passion of mine to, to just, if you see something that needs fixed, fix it, but also make sure you're bringing other people into that conversation who might already be working on it. Cause you know, the worst, you just don't want to reinvent the wheel, but yeah, I mean, that's, I guess my community building in a nutshell, it just kind of yeah. keeps growing where you just kind of keep now that you've, as you do it, you gain experience, you gain knowledge, you gain tools to do it more effectively. And so then you just see bigger problems and you try to tackle them. Um, I mean, bewilders me that it sounds like you're incredibly busy doing everything but work for Ad Victorium. <laughs> I went to bed at like three last night. I'm good. Okay. It's all right. I'm not, I'm not I'm tattle, tattling on you to, to your own hurt. Well, you know, and, and it's I'm funny. Sure he wants you to do it. Well, it's funny because even, you know, even last year there was, you know, I was doing a lot of this work and I was, I, I came close to burnout last year because we planned a big Southeastern B Corp conference and, you know, all virtual, but still that was a beast. And yeah, you know, trying to do all these things. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, by, by like the beginning of this year, it was like, you know, all of a sudden from that, you know, from the one conference, we had brought on a new client from some of the B Corp consulting stuff that we were doing with universities, we had brought on another client. And everybody started to see like, oh, Nathan might be onto something here. And it's, and it's, <laughs> not, it's not that that's the goal of anything I'm doing, but it is, it is. Yeah. And I always preach about like, hey, y'all, it's, it's okay to, you know, especially to the B Corp crowd, sometimes it's okay to make money it's okay to get business out of networking. Like it wasn't like I came in like, like Montgomery Burns and the Simpsons, like excellent. But <laughs> at the end of the day, like it's, it's okay. Like that's, but you also want to do business with people you trust and you want to do business with people you like. And, and so that's, I mean, that's the whole point of what the community we're trying to build is that B Corp should be doing business with B Corp. So it was fun to kind of see an ROI on some of that work and bring it to Advic you know, this work that I'm doing in hours, you know, 51 through 80 of my life, but to be able to bring that back to where I actually kind of, you know, do make most of my money. So <laughs> I, the, so what, just explain to me, what does Advic do um, to help its customers? So we're a Salesforce and MuleSoft partner. So we are usually, everybody knows Salesforce, um, we're like the, uh, what was that Wizard of Oz? Like pay no attention to the voice from behind the green curtain. We're, we're that voice from behind the green curtain that comes in and actually, and I guess we come out from behind the curtain because, you know, you get Salesforce, you go to Salesforce, you have a need, you know, here's kind of our need and they'll kind of high level scope it. And then they'll bring somebody like us in that they trust and we, they know that we know what we're talking about and, and say, okay, what exactly do they need? And then it's more than just a technology solution. It's, it's understanding your processes. It's understanding your operation. It's understanding how sales talks to marketing, talks to production, talks to uh, service, you know, the service. So all these different components and understanding how to like map all that together and then take that map and take these processes and then put them in Salesforce and make it work so that as an order comes in, it's going down to the manufacturing line. It's then going to shipping and that everything's talking and that your ERP is talking. And, you know, even some of our retail customers at the point of sales systems talking to the back end, and, yeah. and then, and then if you're in the C-suite that you're hitting a button, a refresh button and your, your dashboard's updating and you're seeing real-time numbers, you're seeing trends, you're seeing, you know, historical analyses and you're seeing actionable data that you can do something with. And I, I think that's, that's where we're really good is our ability to come in and really 
understand the business side of what is trying to be done versus just that. And then we have brilliant people and they speak technology and they speak business. I speak business. Um, they don't let me touch the computers. So um, I have gotten pretty good actually working here. And I wore the operations hat long enough that I learned how to build reports and um, do everything I need to do. But yeah, I mean, we have really brilliant people who can speak the business side and can speak the technology side. We have business analysts that are kind of that bridge, but we just have people that understand what to do. And then at some point you get to, you kind of get that, whatever you want to call it, that knowledge curve where we've seen it. You know, we've seen a machinery company, we've seen, uh, you know, a higher, a university, you know, we've seen all these different processes at all these different places. Like even in Slack, we have an ask an expert channel and you'll have these people who are like, you know, has anybody done an integration with this and this, you know, under these contexts? Um, and somebody will go, oh yeah, we did it with so-and-so. Let's jump on a Zoom real quick. I'll talk you through it. You know, those types of things where you build that knowledge base. And, I, and honestly, it's helped us a lot where B Corp comes back into it of recruitment and retention that we've had such a good um, ability to retain top talent. Mm-hmm. And, and we've become such a great place to work and, and we don't have that knowledge drain. You know, I think I think that's where, you know, you get into that ROI conversation around B Corps. And I think that's probably one of our biggest strengths is, you know, I could rattle off a list of people that started before me who are still here. I could rattle off a list of people that started around the same time as me. And I've been here almost five years that are still here. I can rattle off the list of people who, you know, where I'm like, oh, they're still new. No, they've been here for three and a half years. Like you onboarded them in 2018. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that that goes a long way too, that we haven't had that that, I mean, that's that's the costly part of turnover that we've been able to yes. avoid. Uh, and, and getting their knowledge up, them up to knowledge and then getting them delivering news is uh, is an expensive game, isn't it? Yes. So well, we, we've all been challenged and we do get challenged through our, um, our certification process to look at our supply chains. And obviously you've got those two primary suppliers of... Uh, well, not suppliers as such, but people you're, you're partnering with to deliver um, a, a working CRM solution. And let's take Salesforce. You know, big software companies, not probably the most well known for their sustainability actions or their um, uh, or, or perhaps even being ethical. Um, not, not mentioning any names, Microsoft, but the uh, in the past, they, they've had struggles. What how would you set um, out Salesforce's ethical or sustainable um, table as such? You know, they're a, they're a partner we can be proud to partner with. I mean, honestly, like Benioff is Benioff's. I, everybody just calls him Benioff. Like I feel like, oh yeah, I had beers with Benioff. No, you didn't. You've never met the guy. But uh, <laughs> Mark Benioff is their CEO and. You know, I love that he uses their market, you know, because you could you look at you look at a without naming names, maybe like a social media company that owns a couple different platforms, one that you just post pictures to. And, you know, you have all this data coming out now just about how god awful it is and, um, mm-hmm. you know, just the addictive, you know, all the all the bad things of like and they use their 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 power almost as a force to like control the market versus I look at Salesforce and I look at here's this company and they do have unwielding like if they just wake up one day and decide they don't like us and they don't want to bring us any business we're in trouble you know because we're either gonna we really better start hunting or you know we better think of another line of business but Salesforce uses that clout to bring people on their journey with them so like recently, um, they just announced that every partner was going to have to be carbon neutral. You're going to have to report scope one, scope two, scope three emissions. Wow. And and while they're not going to come and like audit everybody every year, they reserve the right to. And if they call you and say, what are your scope ones and scope twos and where, where are you buying your offsets? You have 90 days to produce that data. So maybe, maybe there are some people who are going to go, eh, we're not going to do it until they do that. Okay, yeah. that's great. Um, but you're going to have to do it if they call you. And then scope threes, I think you have 12 months. Well, the funny part for us is that was one of our areas of opportunity we saw after our research. Because right. again, I'm not a big supply chain. It's MacBooks, it's software, it's licenses. Yeah. So 
for us, it was, we had already, we had already literally earlier this year, we partnered with We Are Neutral down in Florida and figured out all our scope one and scope two, because we have remote people. So what's the average, you know, CO2 output for a remote office? We have two office spaces. Here's the square footage, all those different things. And, you know, here are some of the elements of the office and they're able to kind of use their their knowledge and their, you know, that they, you know, work with so many companies. So they're able to give us a number. And then scope three, we're tracking all of our travel this year. Okay. They flew into Atlanta. They Ubered to Alpharetta, which is about an hour North where our office is. Um, and then they flew back to Chicago. And I mean, there's the internet, you can find all that. So mm-hmm. we're scoping, we're doing all that. And then, um, you know, they've been big on, I'm a member of the salesforce.org um, equality subcommittee. So like, I mean, they have all these different subcommittees and they're bringing their partners in, they're bringing clients in to basically like, what could we do better? How could we, you know, one of the calls I was on last month, they were talking about, you know, how could we help promote some of our Salesforce partners that are, you know, founded by people of color or women that are women led? Like, how do we, how do we make sure that we're dividing up the Salesforce pie as equitably as possible and encouraging other startups and encouraging diverse own startups so they always have that like eye on the ball and you never get the sense that they're like you never get the sense that they're what's the word i'm looking for like greenwashing yeah Yeah. there's no it's it's i mean because they have to be you think about these people that run these kind of committees and divisions and they're this is kind of what they're doing yeah and um that's a, it's a big overhead. I realized that at Advic, like we joked earlier of like, you do a lot of stuff, but I'm like, but our boss also sees the value in having somebody like me. And there's a value in people just knowing that a company has a director of culture and strategic impact, but yeah. there's also value in the work I do that I'm holding our other directors and people above me accountable for our actions. And so I see that same behavior from Salesforce. And I just love that they, they, whether, whether you want to or not, they're bringing you along for their journey and they want their comp, you know, their partners to stand for the same values that they stand for. Or they're not going to do business with you. And I think that's just such a cool, unique, refreshing take on kind of using business as a force for good, because let's be honest, Salesforce is a force. They're a behemoth in the CRM space and they do acquire a lot of these startups and they roll them in, but you never hear those horror stories of like, man, Salesforce came in and just just like rolled back all of our benefits and got rid of and cleaned house with everybody that had been there before. You don't hear that. And I was on a call last week. There's a small B2B B Corps call and there was somebody from Salesforce on it. And I'm like, this is a B Corp call. Like, who are you? Why are you here? We're all kind of like, and and it was really exciting because they were like, well, we're starting to look at actually starting to certify some of our subsidiaries that we've, you know, some of these smaller companies that we own, I don't, I'm not, they didn't name any, but you know, they own Slack and they bought Pardot and, you know, they have a bunch of companies. So I'm like, that would be, I mean, I geeked out because of course I'm a B Corp nerd. So I'm like slacking my boss. I'm like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. Um, <laughs> what cool, the way. And, and we've been talking about this for years of what a cool get that would be like Danone was. Yeah. To get yeah. A huge company to get on board and invest that time to really, <clears throat> I don't know that they would see an ROI on B Corp, but they're already doing well. They're already the leader. I think the technology is the best. I think the CRM is is the most effective, but they don't really need B Corp to drive business. To me, I see a company like that doing it as a complete just show of leadership of here's what we stand for and here's what we're doing and everybody else should join us, which is the same thing with Danone. I think it was just a, it's just a brilliant move. Yeah, and uh, so I suppose at some point return on investment has to be equated in more than just dollars and pounds. The return is is different. Yeah, I think that's that's the different type of capitalism that we're heading towards. Is this boom and bust capitalism we've been very familiar with, and where venture venture capitalists and your private equity will want the massive returns because they want quick, 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 quick money, and that that isn't the return that we're looking for um that's, that's that's really good i mean it's great to hear i i i anecdotally heard but i haven't checked but i think it was benioff that spoke to the president of argentina and said 
would you like us to open an office in Argentina? And they went, oh, yes, that would be absolutely brilliant, fantastic. He said, well, in that case, stop <laughs> stop raiding the Amazon for its natural resources and we'll think about it. And, you know, if we do get that kind of big company where a government has a real desire to get them in and to get companies like that in, and they're saying, unless you change your ways, that is business. I had a, had a quote today. I was on a, a session today and somebody said um business made this problem and it's enterprise that can get us out of it and it, it is really and it is going to be businesses and it's big business especially can help in big ways because they got the money and they got the name and they've got the customers and they got the clout and it's, so it's great to hear that salesforce are heading in that that direction as well well, and it's funny because I had a piece published last week on Medium and it was I wrote the same thing of like Milton Friedman was right. And his, his main argument in the Friedman Doctrine was that like customers and employees will eventually just they don't care. They're going to and they're going to take business back away from these social enterprises and socially conscious business. They care about profits. They care about paying the lowest price. And that's what they care about. And the private citizen can do whatever they want and blah, blah, blah. And my whole argument was he was right customers and employees are going to drive this chain or, you know, are going to drive the market. He was just wrong because they drove it in the other direction. Yeah. And, you know, you talk, I talk all the time about Gen Z. I talk, you know, the oldest Gen Z is 26. Now the oldest millennial is four. I'm 38. I'm a millennial where, you know, we have mortgages, we have kids, we have, you know, like we're not like the swing voters anymore. Um, and so you're seeing, and I, and I, I told the students that I talked to yesterday that, you know, the millennials, I think we were kind of afraid to speak up because we kind of came from our parents' generation of like, kind of be grateful that you have a job, you know, do whatever the boss asks you work, you know, work 50, 60, 70 hours to get ahead. And you had Gen Z show up into the workforce and they're like, no, we're not. No, you know, and, oh, you said you do that, but we don't see any evidence of that. Like, no, we don't want to work for you. Like, and I think that riled up the millennials to go like, all of a sudden we felt empowered because we weren't alone because you know, everybody kind of always talked to us like I remember starting my career and everybody kind of looks at you like well kid you'll understand it one day you know and I think about that as I do an interview in a football jersey of like you know and I I, I think back to jobs where I had to wear the tie and the suit and I'm like yeah yeah how do I do my job any differently in a Warren Sapp Hall of Fame jersey versus a suit and tie I'm sitting at home I'm comfortable like all those like things of yeah kid you'll just you'll get it one day this is how money's made this is how capitalism works and now we're getting the majority of the market share in terms of consumer dollars and votes with where we want to work. And we're kind of starting to go like, and businesses, the smart ones, Benioff, Salesforce, us, I mean, B Corps, you know, I, they're, they're catching on. I mean, even some of the greenwashing is it, does it come from a unintentional place sometimes like the towel, yeah. you know, the origins. Absolutely. But guess what? Did it save water? Yes. Did it save energy to treat the water and to make the detergent and everything? Yes, it did. So it, it came from a place of them saving money, but it also came from a place of like, it's, this isn't a bad, I mean, when I stay at hotels now, I think more consciously about, do I really need to open a bar of soap for my shower and a bar of soap for the sink when I'm here for one night? Mm -hmm. Like it's gotten us to think differently. So there's still like the cure greenwashing effect of like our, you know, horrible plastic cups are now recyclable, even though they're really not like, they're still really bad greenwashing, but I think a lot of it is, yeah, companies are seeing an ROI, but they're doing something positive and they're seeing a return on that. And isn't that what this is all about that you can do business as a force for good and you can do things the right way and you can save money. You can acquire more clients. CLV goes up employee recruitment is better retention's better like yes like the, it, it, yeah. I, the return I, is worth it even though you might not be able to necessarily show it in the traditional bottom line yes and and well, all those things might. and it's i mean it's just proving to be good for business and again going back to the community that's why this is so important for me to build this community and to support other b corps and to support other consciously conscious-minded businesses is this is our opportunity to show the Friedman fans or, you know, like all the damn price haters on like Fox business news and all these people and, and CNBC squawk box and all these people like telling damn price, he's going to go out of business. This is the dumbest business move anybody could ever make. And he'll be bankrupt in a year. And I, this is our opportunity to prove them wrong and to yeah. prove them this is a successful business model that actually is the future of business. And that's the important part of it. Cause I feel like there are people rooting against us right now. And it's our duty to show them like, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to win, you know, it's basically like a big better betting against the football team. 
like we're going to prove you wrong and you're going to lose. Um, so that, that to me is like the ultimate victory for us is proving that this is a sustainable, uh, scalable business model. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's fascinating listening to you because obviously you have a, you have a, a culture in America, which is far closer to perhaps the trading floor than we are here. You know, people, there are there are groups of people in in the UK that would deal in stocks and shares, as we might call them, uh, and do trading. But it's a very much more popular activity um, uh, in in America, as I understand it, and and therefore you do get this this um, how do I make a quick buck on the on the markets um, type shows like the school. I've I've heard of the school box before, and and these rather larger than life characters that, that that tell you plush toilets and make big noises I, I think i might have seen them stereotypically portrayed but i i fear they had a, a very firm root in reality yeah no i mean and it, there is something I, I don't know there's something about i had a friend in germany tell me this once where he's like you know the problem with with you americans is you all you all not only want to be like multi mega millionaires, you all think you will be, you probably won't be. So you're never happy because you, you have a, 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 a vision of success that isn't probably attainable, but you're sold kind of this dream that like, if you just work hard enough, you can, you can be Jeff Bezos. You can be, you know, versus like, you know, and he was telling me, you know, he's a school principal. He's like, I, I, I make good money and I, I'm treated very well. I have good benefits. I, you know, we have the whole summer off. We get August vacation, August holiday. They just got back from Croatia. Like my life is very good. I will never be a mega multi, you know, millionaire. I'm okay with that. My quality of life is so much higher. You're always like, he's like, every time I talk to you, you're so stressed out. You're trying to keep up with the Joneses. You're trying to, you know, you need the next big thing. And, and I think we're starting to see America slightly pivot away from that of like more of the damn price model of like, what if we just created where like most people could make some really good money and you're still rewarded. I always still call it capitalism mm. because I do think there is a, a slippery slope when you get into some of the, you know, the, like, like my, my family from East Germany, like the brain drain of like, you know, if you don't pay a doctor what he's worth or what she's worth for their knowledge and their skills, they will go somewhere where they're paid market value. So there's still an element of that, but yeah. there's also a weird rat race here where we just, we can't be happy at 80,000. We need a hundred thousand. We get a hundred thousand. We can't be happy. We need 150,000 and 250,000. And it's just like, and this ability to like kind of show it off without saying we're showing it off. So yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one. There's, there's definitely an element here too. Uh, I, I think, and that's, that's the case, but what, what you've said in, you know, throughout this is that, that uh, Advic has, has, is not taking that model anymore. It's, no. it's it's taking a different model. It's taking a different view. Making a profit is not a dirty word. It's not a dirty word to make a profit, but putting it in balance with people and planet is the vision. And that and that you can't sell in the markets very well yes. at the moment. Yeah, market. and I you know, and I mean, putting like long term strategy and growth over short term profitability again, like us with last year, like would that. 20% return last year have looked really good for us to say, oh, this is how much profit we had. And, you know, we could have paid out bigger bonuses to those we didn't, you know, fire. Um, or was, <laughs> will this year's return, because we were able to bring on all that new business yeah. and bring on new people and grow our people and have them ready to do these things. Well, that return probably is going to be greater than what 20% of nothing last year would have been, you know, 15% yeah. of a lot this year would be, you know, so like, changing the thinking of this like yeah. you know that constantly like those quarterly beat the street numbers of yeah which is very myopic and it leads to us not finding solutions to like the plastics problem it leads us to not thinking you know versus like think long term like what would this be worth in customer goodwill what would this be worth and you know at some point we're going to have to pay the bill on all the things we're doing to the environment of like you know climate change and these forest fires and bigger hurricanes and floods yeah. and all yeah, these yeah. things we're going to have to pay this bill, but we're just like, well, it's not Q3. So we're not worried about it. <laughs> yeah. Climate change isn't in the next quarter. Um, well, it might be, uh, depending on how, how fast it goes. If, if there's one thing you could get some, you know, organization to do or somebody to do personally, what, what would you think that somebody should do to, to 
to take the first steps to being a more sustainable business? Um, oh, this is where I wish I had worn my other shirt. I had a, I have a shirt that just says take action, make progress. Um, my favorite shirt, um, but it's game day. Um, so uh, d- just take the B impact assessment. You know, even if you're not, you know, I mean, it's probably harder if you don't have access to a lot of the data, but it, you know, if you're a, a, an executive watching this or listening to this, yeah. Um, or your director level, they can sway an executive of like, hey, let's just look and let's just give ourselves a score. Let's just see where we're at. Because, mm. you know, for us, when we first went through this process, we had good intentions, but then you see your numbers like towards, we were up towards 20, 25 employees and we realized we were still like 75% white male. And, and you're, right. and you, we thought we were all about diversity. We thought we were about gender diversity and racial diversity. And we we're like, the numbers don't lie. So take the assessment and give yourself a, a baseline score and figure out where you're at. And, and the beauty of it is you will start to quantify things like your, your diversity, like your, um, you know, your percentage of revenue being donated to, you know, in the form of time, volunteer time or yeah. um, pro bono work or, you know, community investment. And you'll start to be able to say, okay, so we're at 0.4% of, you know, of total time donated in terms of, of volunteer hours. Okay. What, what number do we want to get to? Well, you know, even sometimes it's like, what is a good number? Well, there's the B impact assessment. It gives you values for each of them. So I can tell you what kind of is probably outside of the standard deviation at 5%. And then, you know, here's one, let's shoot for 1%. Let's just try to get to 1%. Okay. What's our revenue? Our revenue is this. What do we charge for our people's time? What's an average cost that. Okay. So now we need to get that many hours. That's their goal for next year. Being able to back into like actionable, strategies based on goals based off of where you are right now is the beauty of the b impact assessment that's been the beauty for I me mean, we're now 45 percent white male and and i don't say that to like talk bad about white guy to white guy here um about them like I, but it was something that like we're in atlanta it's one of the most diverse cities in america we should look more like atlanta so getting kind of um intentional once you see those numbers about what can we do where can we hire what's our job description say then you can actually start to like reverse engineer some of these things you want to do and put a strategy in place to do them so just take the be whether it be corp certification you know i mean there's some legal requirements around it whether it's for you whether whether it's feasible right now i think that just that doing that getting that baseline is is step one for just Getting the ball rolling, starting your journey. There you go. Bring it yeah, all back. Yeah, start, start the journey. Yeah, you, and your wife will uh, be cursing you later. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Have you got anything that you would poke people to, towards reading or looking at, or uh, what? What would you recommend people do? I suppose you um, could do another action if you want. I'm one of those that I wish I was more of a. <laughs> As I said, well, luckily my cameras, you can't see all the unread books behind me. Um, I'm, I'm big on, I'm big on just content, you know, and I try to bring it all in. So everything from, from books to, you know, I mean, shoot over here, I've got the successful speaker. I've got the ethical sellout, which is a really good book. Um, but reading different perspectives, watching, getting outside of the bubble that we all now live in. Thanks Facebook. Um, and, 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 or cable news of like, hey, here's all the things you believe in and we'll give you arguments for them. <laughs> like step outside of your comfort zone, like read somebody who still defends um, free market capitalism and unrestrained, un, unburdened, you know, talk to a friend that's a libertarian who believes that we should have no rules at all in society. Like understand what makes them tick, but just have a conversation or just read and just just absorb some of that. And you might not agree with it, but I don't think you're ever going to be able to change. We don't try to change minds anymore through conversation. We just yell at each other. So like, as I'm having conversations and I'm in the South, it's fairly conservative and whatever you could say, B Corp's more progressive, but I, I think there's a lot of socially progressive, fiscally conservative people in the South as well that are also, you know, owners of B Corps and things like that, that, yeah. I think that, you know, I have to have conversations as I'm talking about B Corps and explaining these people where I, I don't want to, I know their trigger words. I know, I know what they believe in and I can cater my conversation. It's, I mean, again, I, it's like using a marketing degree, but if you're not reading, 
if you're only in your bubble, you're never going to be able to effectively communicate with people that might disagree with you. You're just going to yell over each other and it's pointless and you might as well just go on Facebook and argue with a stranger. So as I, if I retranslate that, what I'm getting is don't read one particular book, read them all, um, but, <laughs> but read them all fairly and take yeah, yeah. All, and, and, and be prepared to uh, absorb different views. Yeah, and, 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 and be empathetic to them. Yeah, yeah. Practice empathy. Practice radical empathy of understanding kind of where um, people are coming Practice from. Practice radical yeah. empathy. Now, there's a there's a it's <laughs> a requirement. There's a hint um, for people. Well, I'm. I well here. Hang on. I'll even. In fact, in fact, I think have we got a radical empathy book? Is there one? I literally. Perhaps you and it. I should co-author one. <laughs> I believe in it so much that I have a flag that says it. There you go. Radical, radical. Practice radical empathy. Practice radical empathy. Okay. And that what that comes out of your football, does it, or baseball? Or... No, that's actually, there's a company down here called the Bitter Southerner. Um, they're actually based in Athens, and they're all about, I've got all three of their flags. One's practice radical empathy. One is uh, a rainbow flag that says abide no hatred. And then the other one just says better south. Um, so they're they're big on kind of a more, forward thinking south acknowledging our past but moving on to our future so i like kind of i like the practice radical empathy uh, i might have to go procure a flag i could hang it in the background during the winter and the summer it's too good <laughs> i'll have to i'll have to ship one over they are um it, i don't know it is it's something that is lacking um i got into a conversation last week at, at, before the football game with somebody and i you know and i usually will throw especially in at, at a georgia tailgate i'll throw out that like yeah, yeah, I'm pretty progressive, but, you know, and I'll throw that out there, but like, hey, I don't talk politics to football. Like we're, today it's George, you know, like, and it was funny because we had this whole conversation where we were like kind of skating around, but at the same time, we just, we got to know each other. We get to see what he values, what I value. And we found so much that we had in common. Um, we were able to have a productive. And so when like an issue came up or something, we were able to talk about it and then just move on. So I, again, society just needs more of that now. This it right does, now. yeah, abs absolutely, and and we need to be more tolerant, don't we? I mean, that talk about justice and 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 equity and diversity and inclusiveness. I mean, at, at the very heart of that is tolerance. Yes, and you can help somebody learn without shouting them down. I think you know somebody comes from a place of absolute intentional ignorance um, versus imp you know their you know intention versus impact was their impact to if they weren't intentional about trying to hurt you or trying to say something then like get to the root of what they were trying to say and maybe you can help un help them understand you know a lot of times here where people hear diversity equity inclusion they think like affirmative action and then they jump to like oh preferential hiring and then they jump to this and it's like hey we're just talking about level in the playing field but helps them understand now if their intention was to impactfully say something really nasty and they really are a racist or a feminist or a, a misogynistic like a-hole i don't know that you're going to change their minds you can just politely end the conversation and walk away but i think a lot of times you hear something that might slightly be offensive and then we we want to shut them down cancel them and be done with it versus yeah. i think sometimes just having that and again this is where the empathy comes in if you understand that a little bit you can have that dialogue you understand where that talking point came from that they they're in their own bubble getting these talking points and you can kind of explain well here I don't bite and let me explain why I disagree with you. Yeah, uh, uh, as a, a, well, probably one of the longest tips we ever had. <laughs> don't invite extroverts on, man. Uh, I, I, I can concur with that because uh, one of my, one of my go-to books every time I, I, I kind of lose my way a little bit is uh, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits. And, and one of his is seek to understand before seeking to be understood um and uh, i think it's probably the most valuable of all the habits because if you understand what your customer wants you'll and um, you'll be able to put the deal in front of them that they want if you understand what your uh what your partner needs then you'll be able to provide them if you you know if you understand what, what you need to love it live a healthy lifestyle you know whatever it is you you will make the change that's needed and i think that's uh that's empathy at its, at its best, really. I know. I was going to say, if you wanted a book, I'll just say John Steinbeck travels with Charlie in search of America. It's written in 1963. He travels around the country with his dog, Charlie. 
in an RV and he just meets people and he talks about it. And it's funny because it could have been written two years ago. Is and oh. it's still, I reread it 2018, 2019. It's my favorite book. I'm a big Steinbeck nerd. And um, yeah, it could have been written, but it's all, it's, it's, I could have summed that up into that book that he just drives around the country, meets people, listens, understands, and has a conversation, whether he agrees or disagrees, and then, you know, moves on, but learns a little something from everybody he meets. There you okay. go. Okay. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll dig that one out and give, add that to the pile of books I got in the background, which I haven't read as well. <laughs> Or maybe I'll read it. You never know. Uh, I'll give you an update. Um, well, I mean, that, that nearly brings us to the end. I've got a few factual fakes to put past you if you're up for it. So I'll give you a statement. Um, I might have modified that statement to make it wildly wrong. Or I might not. And you have to decide. So the first one is a Nielsen study reported that 54% of global respondents to the survey that they took feel strongly that companies should help improve the environment that's 54 percent of global respondents this was feel strongly that companies should help improve the environment is that a fact or a fake my lean here is fact my only thought about fake is that or maybe it's just my blind optimism that i would hope it would be more but i'll go with fact Oh, you should have gone with your blind optimism because the actual figure is 81%, which I find fantastic. Um, yeah. It, it is exactly what we want it to be. And that was yeah. a global report. Um, more than I think I've got thought. a US one in a second. So second one, um, nearly half of global respondents, same survey, so 49% say that they are inclined to pay higher than average prices for products with high quality safety standards. In North America, that raised to more than two thirds or 69%. Is that a fact or a fake? So 49% say they're inclined to pay higher price, higher than average prices with products with sustainable credentials, let's say. And in North America, that was 69%. Fact or fake? Um, I'm going to go fact again. And you'd be right. And I, I thought that was quite encouraging. Um, that actually, in this, as you said, in this Milton-led, um, Milton Freeman-led type economy, that uh, actually there's the proof that he got the right, he got the right action, but the wrong driver. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I, I love that. That's a great, I'm going to have to still, I have to remember which I'll be sharing stats that are the fake. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I put these on the show page and, uh, and I put all the links into where I got them from, but uh, these all came from uh, environmental sustainable, uh, the site more sustainable environmental camera, which way it goes anyway. Uh, final one then. Um, and we're one each. So according to the U S chamber of commerce, I brought it home for the last one. Shoppers in the US alone will spend up to $150 billion on sustainable products by the end of 2021, or 25% of all goods sold will be sustainable products. Is that a fact or a fake? This is where my, my greenwashing hat comes in. I'm like, define sustainable. Um, are K-Cups now sustainable because you can't recycle them? And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that is, wow. I mean, there's a, there's a topic we could spend another show on, I guess. Is what does, I, it's one of the questions I sometimes hold for my more um, uh, ir difficult customers uh, is I say, you know, how do you define sustainability then? Because <laughs> I challenge you to define it. Oh, but, you know, in, in terms of what the U.S. Chamber of Commerce might deem sustainable products, bearing in mind that they're prepared to buy a higher price for them as well. Um, yeah, 25 percent of all goods sold, they believe by the end of 2021 will be sus badged sustainable products, let's say. Or is it more or less? Um, let's see. I think 25 percent. I'm going to go with fact. I think that's a pretty good number. Oh, and on the last one, he snatches the win. 
<laughs> so congratulations you are right yes that is a fact and yeah it is a difficult one on so-called 150 billion so-called sustainable products but hopefully they've got their definition right um as to what credentials and how how far that supply chain goes is a different matter i did hear somebody who was who um farmed something uh in New Zealand, I think it was uh, one product or another sent it off to China for manufacture and then send it, brought it back and sold it from New Zealand to a New Zealand market and called it New Zealand made. And it wasn't until they kind of went, oh yeah, actually, uh, it's not actually manufactured in New Zealand. So, I mean, it's uh, like, the, uh, it's like the, uh, what is it? Uh, the green, 100% green water, Fiji water, like <laughs> in a plastic bottle. It's like. Not, not a great selling name, I wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, like, last time I checked, you don't want to drink the green water, but no, not really. Well, I suppose it depends on how much algae you want to consume. It might be a new food source of the future, you never know. True. Nathan, it's been a, a delight to talk to you. Uh, I fear, unless I was incredibly controlled, that we could co probably have the longest podcast on record, and maybe that's one we can go for at a later date. <laughs> I I always worry when I get with another extrovert that it has the same tendency to like. Like I, there were some questions where I started going, I was like, oh, the questions are over here, make a left-hand turn. So um, no, this is a lot of fun. I always enjoy the opportunity to talk about B Corps, talk about, um, you know, Be Local Georgia, Ad Victorium, and just everything that, I don't know, gets me out of bed in the morning and hopefully, you know, convey some of that passion and purpose to somebody who might be sitting on the sidelines looking to kind of like spark their either career pivot or whatever so entrepreneurial so yes I, I can only thank you for that it was it was very very energetic and i did enjoy it a tremendous amount so thank you very much for joining us on the green elephant show yeah thanks for having me russell appreciate it thanks for listening to guidelines green elephant show we really hope that you found it both informative and entertaining Make sure you don't miss any of our chats with other organisations by subscribing to either our podcast, which is available on all good providers, or the Green Elephant YouTube channel. Please don't forget to spread the word with others. If you have any questions about being or becoming a B Corp or any comments and suggestions about the show, please do get in touch. You can email studio at greenelephant.show or visit our website greenelephant.show. Or you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube or Twitter by searching for Green Ellipod or The Green Elephant Show. And you can also review the show on Google and Apple Podcasts. Join us next time. In the meantime, we hope you have a sustainable and socially responsible week. 